This season of Beyond the Drink is brought to you by our friends at One Hope Wine. One Hope is a Napa Valley winery built on hope and rooted in purpose. Every bottle of their award-winning wine supports a meaningful cause. One Hope has donated over $8 million to causes around the world. To learn more about One Hope Wine, the winery, and to join their wine club, go to onehopewine.com. Follow them on Instagram at One Hope and on Facebook at One Hope Wine. One Hope, we thank you. Hey everyone, I'm Cappy and you're listening to Beyond the Drink, a production of Beyond the Plate. In this season, we sit down with head winemaker of One Hope Wine, Mari Wells Coyle, as she guides us through some unexpected wine pairings. We're not talking about red wine with steak and white wine with fish. She'll be sharing the right glass or bottle to go with some everyday snacks you might have right at home in your own pantry. We'll be asking our guests from this season of Beyond the Plate what their favorite snacks are, and then we'll put Mari to the test. We're going to have some fun with this series, so sit back, relax, grab your favorite snack, and please don't forget the wine opener. All right, Mari, let's bring everyone up to speed. Three weeks ago, we talked to Kenji Lopez, and he mentioned one of his favorite snacks was salt and vinegar chips. Two weeks ago, you paired salt and vinegar chips with your Brute Sparkling Wine. One week ago, we talked to Marcella Valladolid, and this week, we're going to pair some of Marcella's favorite snacks with wine, but... For those of you who may have missed last week's episode, let me bring you up to speed. Marcella Valladolid is a female powerhouse, so I can imagine, Mari, you're excited for this one. Marcella is a CEO, a chef, an entrepreneur, teacher, Emmy-nominated TV personality, businesswoman, designer, etc. I mean, the list goes on and on. She's a mom of three beautiful kids. She grew up in Tijuana, Mexico, and she has some serious culinary chops. She went to cooking school in California. She also went in France. She's been on TV and she has books and she's currently co-hosting a virtual cooking class with her sister Karina, which is called the Marcella and Karina show, which is super cool. It's like a live virtual cook along situation. So while we talked about food plenty during that episode, we didn't get into a snack per se, but I emailed her after and here's what she wrote back in email. She wrote, Woohoo! <laughs> I grew up eating dehydrated everything with chili lime powder, and it's my favorite snack. Dehydrated cactus paddle with chili lime powder, dried mangoes with chili lime powder. Those are my two favorites, but I also like dried apples, dried strawberries, and all the nuts and seeds. You know I don't drink, but folks love to pair the tangier stuff like mangoes with tequila for sipping. We're talking wine with Mari and One Hope, so Mari... What do you have for us this week? Well, right back at you, Marcella, and woohoo! Dried mango with chili lime sounds amazing. One of my favorite snacks, also, I found those at Trader Joe's, but I would actually really like to try cactus paddle please. So with this mango chili lime, there's a lot you can do here, but the best pairing that I recommend is a Moscato. Moscato is actually a really interesting wine. It's ancient in origin. In fact, it was probably the first grape to be grown thousands and thousands of years ago. And it's got a lot of complexity, a lot of richness. Uh, Floral components can go in a direction of tropical and stone fruit as well. And classically, Moscato has a tiny bit of frizzante and a tiny bit of sweetness. So I would like to play up all the flavors in 
the wine with the mango because the mango is also sweet and also very flavorful and tropical. And then I'd like to tackle that chili lime with the sweetness. And I think that, you know, anytime you have a chili flavor, a little bit of heat, a little bit of sweetness is always a great pairing. Love it. Let's talk about Moscato. That's interesting. I love hearing like history of the grape, but Moscato in general, and I guess misconceptions, because I think we try, correct me if I'm wrong, we tried this wine when we were out at the winery recently, and it was delicious, but just being extremely honest with the listener, as soon as you mentioned Moscato, some of the people we were with were like, oh, I don't like sweet wines. But, you know, I'm sure you were prepared for that because everyone was quick to say, no, try it. Here's the deal. And it was delicious. It's not, I think people don't drink sweet wines often and they have that first experience when it's just like syrup and it's not pleasant. And this Moscato was very pleasant. So can you talk about generally how you make it and or misconceptions of Moscato? Absolutely. So this is a really hot topic these days about sweetness. And I know in the chef and wine world, a lot of times we're sticking away from sweet things. We tend to drive more towards salt and acid just in general, I think. But this is a really interesting wine. It actually needs the sweetness to fully reflect the flavor profile. And what we do when we're making our Moscato here in Napa is we actually arrest the fermentation about two thirds of the way through fermentation. And that leaves the beautiful natural sweetness of the grape to really let the rest of the fruit shine. So it's a balancing act. There's a lot of acidity in this wine, but it's balanced with that sweetness. And I like to call it Napa Nectar. It's that last kiss before Napa Valley. And I think the other misconception about sweet wines is you don't have to drink multiple glasses of sweet wine to appreciate what it has to offer and appreciate the pairing. These are snack pairings, so I think it's perfect. A glass of Moscato and a little chili lime dehydrated mango just kind of kick you off in the right direction at three o'clock, let's say. (laughs) Two, three, four, whatever. So explain to me further. I think I'm familiar with ice wine in Canada. And correct me if I'm wrong. It's like left on the vine a little longer until the frost to develop more of that sweetness. But how exactly is your Moscato? Like, how does it develop? its sweetness? Is it just the grape naturally or is there something else in the process? Yeah, that's right. It's actually, we pick the Moscato grape at optimal maturity. So it isn't left on the vine extra long. We want the freshness. And most importantly, we do want that acidity because we want the wine to shine and we want it to be balanced. So we pick at optimal maturity, regular grape harvest, bring those grapes in, and then we ferment very cold and we arrest the fermentation. No, it doesn't go to jail and no handcuffs are in involved. But we do actually chill that tank down so that the wine can no longer ferment, leaving the resulting sugar. So no CNH, no sugar cubes, just pure grape sweetness. Got it. And if you eat a Moscato grape like off the vine, will you get sweetness from it? Yes. Yeah, the grapes are sweet when we harvest them. And a lot of times when I'm talking about grape maturity, really talking about similar fruit maturity, and most people can relate to having a peach that is store-bought, that is very firm, that has a lot of acid, not a lot of sweetness, and then a farm stand peach where you pick it up, it's very soft in your hand, the texture of the skin has changed. And of course, when you bite into that peach, it's very juicy, it's giving 
giving you all that juice and you've got a balance of acidity and sweetness. And that is really what we're looking for on the vine with grapes, just like you would find with a plum or a peach or any fruit that you pick at the grocery store or a local farm stand. Yeah, I love going to LA or not LA, California in like off produce season. I'm based in Chicago and, you know, I eat lettuce or a peach or a strawberry and I'm like, oh, it tastes like it's supposed to taste. I gave my three-year-old daughter tomatoes the other day, grape tomatoes, and she ate one and turned to me and goes, daddy, these tomatoes don't taste so good. I'm like, okay, Miss Critic, but she was right. They weren't summer (laughs) Jersey, you know, tomatoes. So another thing I found interesting as you were talking about this pairing was you're almost like using sweetness to complement sweetness, which you kind of alluded to. And I guess as a chef, I would think when, why, how would you want to use the opposite flavor profile to bring out sweetness. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So there's a lot going on in this snack because not only do we have the sweetness of the dehydrated mango, but then we have the chili lime. So in this case, I really am using that sweetness to complement the chili lime. And I think it's a good question that you brought up because really when I'm using pairings as wine education, a lot of times I'm using the complementary flavors or the complementary characteristics or the opposing flavors and opposing characteristics. And really you can do either or you can do both. In this case, we're doing a little bit of both of those methods because we're kind of combating the heat and the chili with the sweetness, but we're also pairing it with the mango. And so we're allowing like flavors of the fruit to really complement the like flavors and the wine. And then we're using the sweetness to really, you know, be interesting up against the chili. And I think in a dehydrated fruit, it is really intense, but it's almost becomes the protein or the, you know, the kind of palate where you have to pick somewhere to build off of, you know, and when you have a really strong flavor in this case, I think chili lime wins over dried mango, then that's the one that has the dominant pairing feature. Got it. And how about Mexican food in in general, if we were going out for Mexican food and wanted to order some wine and maybe we didn't want a beer or a margarita, I know Mexican wines aren't like easy to come by per se, But I guess I'd be curious of, are we ordering a glass of Moscato? Obviously, this is for this snack, but is there any tips you would give on enjoying a Mexican meal, you know, with a nice glass of wine to complement it in general? Absolutely. I mean, anytime I'm looking at any sort of ethnic foods that have a true spice component where there's actually heat, I'm always looking toward a sweeter wine or something with a slightly sweet finish because that is really helping battle the heat and providing that tension that you want in a great pairing. If I was having carnita tacos, I would definitely look toward a red, probably a red blend, even something a little bit lighter, maybe a Pinot Noir to pair with the pork. So there are so many different flavor pairings that you can do with Mexican food. It's not traditional. We typically have a margarita, tequila, as Marcella said, or a beer, but there are many, many great wines that pair with Mexican food. And I recommend everybody try one next time they get their takeout. Yeah, I love it. Awesome. Mari, another fun one. I'm going to probably say that every time, but thank you. This was fun. Again, thank you again to you and to One Hope for making this season of Beyond the Drink possible. We appreciate it. 
Thank you, Cappy. This was great. I'm still going to be looking to Marcella to get me one of those dehydrated cactus paddles because that is one I have not yet tried. I'm sure she'll be glad to send it your way. Thanks, Mari. Have a good rest of the day. All right. All right. Talk to you soon. You too. Say hi to your family. I will. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye. If you're interested in the wine Mari talked about in this episode, check out the episode notes in your podcast player or go to beyondthepletepodcast.com and we'll link you to it. Find me and keep up to date with this podcast across all social media platforms at OnCappy's Plate or go to beyondtheplatepodcast.com. Beyond the Plate is also on social at BT Plate Podcast. This episode was produced by myself along with Ian Cohen, Joe Yetten, and Sean Petrosi. Our digital media producer is Sarah McClellan Mead. Our music has been composed by Goldfork. Find him at iGoldfork. As always, a special shout out to my wife, Katie. If you have a moment, we'd love and appreciate it if you could rate or review and subscribe to this podcast on your listening site of choice. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Drink, a production of Beyond the Plate. I'm Kathy.